With us today is Afghan writer-director Elham Esses. Now, after hearing the sad news that the Taliban were forcing women in Afghanistan to wear the chadari, the blue full body veil, he wrote and created the short film Yellow. Now, born in Kabul, Afghanistan, actor, writer-director Elham Esses fled the Taliban and came to the UK when he was just a young boy. Now, he likes to make films inspired by stories from his home country. Now, his debut short film, Our Kind of Love, was BAFTA longlisted in 2019. His short film, Your Hand Found Mine, which he made in collaboration with the BFI and BAFTA, premiered at the House of Lords and won Best Drama at the Berlin Flash Festival. Now, through his newest short film, Yellow, he hopes to raise awareness and inspire change, bringing the struggles and experiences of Afghan women to the forefront of the global conversation, and I truly believe he has done just that. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome writer-director Elham Esses with his very powerful short film, The Oscar-Qualified Yellow, to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I should say welcome back, and uh, what a wild ride it has been since the debut of Yellow. So where did your film Yellow uh, make its uh, film festival debut, and what's been going on since? Oh, it's been it's been a crazy ride. We debuted at uh, San Sebastian Human Rights Film Festival. We won Best Film, and then we played. We've played upwards of um, sixteen Oscar qualifiers, eight BAFTA qualifiers. It's played around fifty plus film festivals, having won upwards of twenty five awards, thirty awards actually. Um, it's been doing really well. It's been. It's had a great uh, impact, and it's touched a lot of hearts. Well, which festival did you receive your Oscar qualification? Uh, Manhattan Short Film Festival. We played with them. Very yeah. impressive. Also, no, go ahead. Sorry, we also we also won Best Film at Tasvir International Film Festival, which is uh, in um, Atlanta, another Oscar qualifying film festival. Um, so it's been greatly received. It has been, and rightly so. It's been one of my favorite films. Uh, of the season, and it was one of the the first films that I actually uh, had the pleasure of watching earlier this year, and of course, you and I have had an incredible conversation before about this film, but uh, for those that may have not seen our first interview on Yellow, what inspired you to write and produce this film? Yellow is a film about an Afghan girl who walks into a hijab shop, a hijab store to buy her first full body blue veil and she finds that one size doesn't fit all um, it's about her trying to buy this iconic piece of uh, costume that is in afghanistan that is famous infamous um, and it's a girl who's never had to wear one before so i always thought about i was always obsessed with the chadari with this veil and the design and the fact that it's completely blue from head to toe with only a mesh covering the eyes. Um, and I wanted to make something about it, especially when I heard that the Taliban passed a decree that all women have to try and adopt the chadari. Um, and it was just an interesting premise for me because this was the only way that I thought um, I could tell a story with a bigger theme, which is Afghan women and girls haven't had an education for the past two years schools and universities have been closed since 2021 um, they are at home doing nothing and there's absolutely no reason 
why that is happening in my country. Um, and it's such a huge topic that I thought this would be the perfect um, arena to tackle it in, this little shop. You know, I still remember your film very, very vividly. And when I watched it, I had to watch it a few times. And what really touched me the most was here's a woman really kind of being forced to go into this uh, hijab shop to, to buy this full body veil. She walks in, in essence, a free woman, but she comes out to be oppressed and to have freedoms taking taken away. And when I saw that, I was just, it, it, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to watch because she comes in, she's a beautiful woman. She's wearing a very nice, uh, a very nice dress, very nice clothing. And she's looking up and she's staring at her future and her future has nothing to offer. And I was kind of crushed for her. Absolutely. That's the future that every Afghan woman and girl is facing right now. They're looking at what is this sign of oppression that they have to embrace and embody. And it's just such a, such a shame. It's such a tragedy because it's half of the population of this country. It's, it's, it's complete, um, I, you know, gender inequality that has no reason to be there in any circumstance or situation or country. And it is heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking film. And I, like, like I spoke before, I wish I didn't have to make it. I understand. But, and let me ask you this. So that way, you know, people may, people that may not understand, um, I don't know how, I'm going to let you explain it. I mean, the, you know, the differences between a normal Muslim culture versus those that are, let's say, Taliban or, or ISIS. Uh, if Afghanistan was under normal Muslim rule, would this law even be in effect? Well, that's the thing. In Islam, there is no law that says that a woman must be covered from head to toe entirely, where you can't even see her eyes. There's nothing in there that says that. Um, I am not against anyone who wishes to wear a hijab, just as I am not against anyone who doesn't want to wear I am just about consent. Is there consent? Is, there, is this form of um, veil consensual? Is it being forced upon a group of people? Is it being forced upon women and girls or do they consensually agree to it? It's a, anyone can wear or do whatever they want. That's not for me to say. But when it comes following an absence of education for women for the past two years, then it's, it's my country. It's a topic that I need to talk about. Why is it that women have not had an education? Why is it that all their basic human rights are being taken away? What is the core reason for something like this? So that's it's just I'm curious why is this happening has the country of Afghanistan ever been conservative like Saudi Saudi Arabia no that I mean if you look at Afghanistan in the 70s uh, pre-soviet occupation it was incredibly uh, European they had lots of 
my tourism coming in from the rest of the world it was very open-minded it it had a religious part of society as well as uh not so religious part of society um and that's fine that's a healthy society where everyone can practice what they are willing to you know everyone can can have that freedom of expression but it becomes a problem when you can't be free in either thought or what you wear or where you go or in trying to get an education you know i remember back in 1979 when in iran they overthrew the shah right and a lot of people don't remember that and i'm going to use iran as an example because it's a perfect example it was a it was a country that I mean rivaled a lot of European cities. It was it was growing. Uh, you know, people had freedoms. It was just another place that people would go and visit or live, just like you kind of explained Afghanistan. When did the change, or why did the country of Afghanistan change from being more open minded, conservative style? Muslim culture and community to to what it is now. Where did that change happen? Was it the war? Well, exactly which war? It's gone through so many different conflicts, and I think I think the the thing tipped after the Soviets came in because that is when the country fell into almost four decades of complete chaos and mayhem and and a struggle for power. Um, I mean. Afghanistan is one of the only countries where the Afghan flag has changed 19 times during the 20th century, during the 21st century, 15 times in my lifetime. I'm 32 years old. The flag has changed 15 times. That tells you the amount of instability that this country has been through and it keeps piling on and on and on. And every time it's the women and girls who are the victims of such instability that is a that is a i saw your jaw drop that is literally a jaw dropping fact a country's flag has changed 15 times in 30 years that's instability yes exactly and that's so if the russians came in what were the russians actually wanting was it a fight over oil was it a fight over you know the poppy fields in northern afghanistan i've heard rumors you know, uh, yeah. very strong heroin trade, you know, and uh, I don't want to go in there because I think that's that could end up being more controversial than your film. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess um, there's a great book called Ghost Wars that talks about uh, the recent Afghan history from the day the Russians came into Kabul to September 10th, 2001, just the day before. September 11th. Um, it, it's a Pulitzer-winning prized book that's incredible if you if you or your readers wanted to know more. But I guess the first occupation of the Russians in the 70s was just this uh, extension of the Soviet Union as they were trying to extend out into more, more areas. And then it was then that this whole proxy war started between the United States of America and Russia. But the arena was Afghanistan. We were the ones suffering. We were the ones being played with between these two superpowers. And obviously there's so many other countries as well that had a role to play, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, um, uh, Russia, and a bunch of others. But it, it all started with that seed of instability with the Soviet 
Soviet Union. And then it's just completely um, cumulatively gotten worse and worse to a point where it's just been uh, a, a game of um, who can hold on to power the longest and how, you know. And hurting the people of Afghanistan in the process. Well, it's always the civilians, you know. It's always the civilians who get hurt in these big games that are being played on an international scale. What has your has now has your film been seen in Afghanistan yet? I'm not sure. I don't know. It, it hasn't. It's it. It hasn't played there officially, but I don't know if it's been seen yet. Well, why was this film so important to be called uh, or to be a call to action to the rest of the world and not to forget about the women in Afghanistan? Well, Afghan women right now, more than any other time, need all the help they can get. Um, women and girls have not had access to an education for the past two years. Beauty parlors have closed, public parks have closed. There's currently, currently a, a gender apartheid happening in my country. Um, and this, the, the right to a free life is not being practiced in Afghanistan for our women, our sisters, our daughters, our wives, uh, our mothers. Um, and the world are slowly forgetting this. And this is a call to action that there are women right now who are alive and who are struggling and suffering. And we mustn't forget, forget those women. Are there women in Afghanistan that are maybe secretly getting an education, maybe trying to educate themselves within their home? Is that even allowed? Well, I mean, never underestimate the power of, uh, of will and the, the human effort and spirit to try and gain freedoms that are rightfully ours. I mean, even during the Taliban era in the 90s, there were secret schools for girls and women. Um, Afghan women are brave. They are brave um, and they are powerful and they will, they will fight. They will fight for what is rightfully theirs, their freedom to a fair, just life with all of the human rights intact. Well, where did you film Yellow? Yellow has been filmed between Afghanistan and uh, England. Um, we shot the Afghanistan portions, my friend Kareem Shah actually, um, he shot that in Kabul um, and we used that footage and the, all the interior shots were shot in London because obviously the sensitive topic of the film, we couldn't take it to Afghanistan. But uh, the shots we see of Afghanistan are modern day post-Taliban Kabul. Yeah, I know that when I when I watched the film, it was it was her character that told the story through her eyes. Uh, and it takes the audience within the veil, uh, within the veil instead of beyond it. Now, they, it does take her beyond it because the only thing that's beyond what she can see is a future of oppression. Mm. That was really important for me as well uh, in the visual language of the film where I wanted to end it with you as the audience member seeing what she sees. Um, and this uh, is a spoiler alert. So for anyone who's watching, uh, maybe mute the <laughs> mute it here. But the last shot where she does put the chadri over her, her face, um, we mirrored that. Where as she puts the chadri over her face, we had the chadri over the camera, so it looks like the reflection 
of us in the mirror, us being her. And that's the last image I leave the audience with. You being inside her world now, her new world, her dark world. Um, and that was important. It, you know, and the other thing that I realized with that shot was with this full body veil that the eye opening still had a covering. Um, kind of like, I, I guess it was kind of a, a lace type covering. Right. It's a mesh. And yes. And I, and I was, I was, when I was sitting there watching it and then I paused it. And I kept looking at that shot as if we were looking through the veil outward. Mm -hmm. I'm like this, you know, normally if you have a full body veil, I don't, you know, there probably wouldn't have been a lace type covering over the eyes to where at least you could see very, very clearly. But the veil implies that the future is going to be blurred mm. and being blurred we won't see clearly and we don't really know what the future is going to hold. Mm. And that's yeah. my assessment. Well, that's, that's a beautiful assessment. You're a poet. I've said this before, uh, Ward, you, you're a, you're a astute lover and observer of cinema, which I really like. You've, you've picked up, even on our previous conversation, you've picked up a lot of little, uh, little things in yellow, um, that shows credit to you how much of a amazing um, viewer you are and how you let the film wash over you. So that's it's it's a pleasure to be speaking to you about this because I know that you appreciate all the little subtleties that we get into as filmmakers and especially with a film like this where there's so much subtext and so many little beats of emotional um, cues that you've picked up on. But that's that's exactly right. It's that blurry future of the women that I tried to depict as the last shot of this film, because that I thought would be the most visceral and most impactful um, end to a short. You know, and I want to thank you for the very kind compliments, because I, I you know, I sit there and I watch these films over and over again. I've had film directors tell me, they're like, you actually watch the film? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I watch the film when they tell me that they get interviewed by people who never yeah. watch the films? I'm like, okay, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. But in yellow, even when she reaches up and she's like touching the veil, hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, what's going through her mind? She's She's running her fingers across it. She's looking at it. She even picks one out. Uh, and because you're playing the shopkeeper, you know, she's even asking, well, this doesn't really fit. Mm. And, and just that statement that it doesn't fit, it could be a metaphor for so many things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what, and that's, this is, you know, your film was one of the very first short films that I saw for the season. And it was, and to come across a film so powerful, uh, very limited dialogue, which was great because it allowed the camera to be her eyes in a way. And for us to kind of try to understand where this is going, 
The cinematography is absolutely beautiful. And to film within a very confined space and tell a story that is so powerful, so profound, um, I guess even the tight space, in a way, was a sign of the limited space within the veil, the limited space one lives within oppression. Absolutely. And that cinematography is credit to my regular collaborator in DOP, Yanis Manolopoulos, who is an incredible artist and a magician with a camera. Um, but yes, it, the film was all about uh, constricting the character and this feeling of claustrophobia as she's being uh, looked down upon by these veils, because the veils are higher than her. And the way we frame it is that she's always in the lower half of the, of the frame. So then it's kind of a daunting these daunting shapes that look down on her, uh, which are, because they are a character in their own right. The frame itself is a character. The frame tells a story in itself in any film. That's why as uh, directors and filmmakers, we have to be so careful by where we place the camera. That's the art. One of the arts of filmmaking is the camera, how to use what you see on the frame to tell its own story, which is what we try to do, and which you so astutely picked up on. Because uh, you were talking about watching films, but you not you don't just watch it. You would you see it as well. You know you let it, you absorb it, which is great. Um, so it is it is a pleasure to to kind of speak to you about well, my film. I was excited that you were coming back for another interview because now that Yellow has been Oscar qualified, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you have the opportunity to see Yellow. It's not a long film, but you have to take your time with every second and every minute to watch the film. But you can't watch it. See, I don't watch films from, from, a, from a surface. You have to watch this film and put, your play, put yourself in the place of this young woman walking into this shop. Because it's the only way for you to understand why Elham has created a film that is a global cry to help these women become free. And so, and sometimes a film has that power to change a nation and we need to see a film like Yellow be that power to change a nation and to, to free these women in Afghanistan. There's no human being should ever live under oppression. They should never have any rights, especially education rights, taken away because we are human beings that, well, we have the ability to create, we have the ability to learn, we have the ability to gain knowledge. That should never, ever be stolen or taken away from us. And Elham, I mean, what has been the response to your film uh, not with just the film festivals in general, but those that come from the same community as you. It's been incredible. It's been a touching response. I get, even now I get messages on Instagram and Twitter from people who've seen it from all over the world in different festivals. And they write to me uh, and they talk about how much they loved it and how deeply it touched them. Um, and it's always amazing to wake up to those messages and, and read that because it shows and it tells me why we do this as filmmakers because filmmaking is so hard 
this industry we're in, especially in the last few years, it's been so tough and so difficult. So when you're lucky enough to, to make a, a project as impactful and as um, important as we did with Yellow, it's, it's really, it's, it's such a rewarding experience and I'm always so grateful when people reach out to me. Um, well, does, this is probably going to be a dumb question. <laughs> I don't no ask such a thing. whole lot. I don't ask a whole lot of dumb ones, but it could be dumb. But in Afghanistan, is there an internet? Yes, yes, they do have uh, internet. It's it's not very strong, but yes, the, there is a there are, there are connections in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, is there ways for people who may live in Afghanistan find out about the film Yellow? They may not be able to watch it just yet, but maybe to hear about it and hear what it's about. Oh, absolutely, and I'm sure I'm sure there are people who have uh, heard about it uh, because it has made the rounds, maybe on the, the retweets and reposts and, and etc. I just don't know about it, but I'm sure there are people who have, and I'm sure there is a little bit of a simmering of the film in Afghanistan that's um, kind of making its way. But uh, I mean, the world is so much smaller now, um, especially, and it's it's a good thing and a bad thing, but uh, in this case, it's a good thing because um, you can speak up and people can hear you. Well, do you fear of ever going back? No, 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 because I haven't, I haven't said anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. I, I, I've just said what I believe to be right. And that, uh, that doesn't scare me. So. I love the strength, Elham. I love the strength. I want to, uh, as you know, uh, walk us through this real quickly here. When it comes to the, I don't know, what do you call the Taliban? Is it a government? Is it is it just a bunch of terrorists? Uh, is this about power or is this really about religion? Well, that's a complicated complicated question, which um, I don't know how to answer. But uh, the Taliban now are a government. There are there are they are a formal government in Afghanistan, which is why. I'm comfortable to challenge them because you are an administration now and the people can speak up and talk about things that they don't agree with. And you should, as a government and as a administration, listen to those people. And I'm speaking up and I'm asking, why are women and girls not allowed to go to school? And I want an answer as an Afghan citizen, uh, as an Afghan born citizen, um, and every Afghan who asks that question deserve an answer. Why are those schools closed? We demand to know. Have there been any organizations that have seen your film that um, would want to petition the government of Afghanistan to reverse this decision, allow uh, young girls and women to go back to school and university? Um, well, we're, um, I'm a big collaborator with a charity called Good Chance, who are big champions of human rights, especially in Afghanistan. Uh, but I think if the film gets more traction and gets onto the Oscars and BAFTA circuit and that, that highway, that will offer it a bigger exposure and a lot more people kind of waking up to this little film that's around and hopefully that will attract um, some big hitters who can, who can help us spread the message. You know, you call it a little film, but this is David versus Goliath <laughs> and David wins. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, Let's hope so I don't, I don't call this a little film. This is a profound 
very powerful film. Uh, you know what, Elham? I think the United Nations needs to show this film to all of the uh, the heads of state yeah, uh, across agreed. the globe all at one time. And, well, I hope uh, they get in touch. <laughs> yeah, and to stop using the country of Afghanistan as a ping pong ball. Amen. Amen. You said it beautifully. I hope so, too. Well, what does it feel to actually have this film Oscar qualified? What's going through your head when that happened? Well, I mean, everything is, it's also unexpected and I, I have no big expectations. I let the film do whatever it does and wherever it may go. Um, the theme of the film is more important and the fact that it, I want it to make a difference is more important than any big award. But it goes, it's, um, it's natural that these big awards do help give it an exposure and it does give it a platform where, like you said, international organizations and even the government of Afghanistan, the Taliban can listen and see it and think, okay, well, maybe it's time we answer these questions that the world has. You know, and I like, I like the way that you brought the story because it doesn't criticize the Taliban. It doesn't criticize the government of Afghanistan. It's just showing one of the rules or laws that were implemented and just showing the unfairness, you know, to, to humans and, and especially with females. And, and like I said before, everyone deserves an education and to be educated, to gain knowledge. Um, and this is why your, your film is, it's not only just powerful, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, I, I'm like you, I want the whole world to see this film because, you know, I believe, especially this season of films, this, this season of films has brought forth something that I don't think I've seen in quite a while. It's bringing forth a spirit of empathy in a lot of these films, uh, a spirit of where there's, it shows judgment, but it's telling the audience, we need to stop judging one another. Mm. You know, we need to start listening to one another. Uh, we may not all agree on certain topics, but at least be willing to listen without being argumentative mm. and without judgment. Because, you know, for me, I, I speak to people from all over the world. And it may be subjects that I may not technically agree with, but I love to listen the, about the perspective from the other, you know, the other person's view and their mm. perspective of the subject matter or of the film or why they did the film. And it's brought me greater understanding of the, of the multiple human elements mm. that... You know, a lot of people either want to ignore, they want to criticize, they want to judge, but they don't want to listen. You know, you and I, you know, we're on social media a lot. We follow each other on Instagram and, but a lot of people just, you know, they, they swipe up, they keep going on. If they make a comment, they make a comment, but they never really think about what they say mm -hmm. and they think it causes no harm, but in, in some ways it does. But mm. Elham, you did a beautiful job. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to speak to you as always. And I'm glad you enjoyed 
you know, um, I'm 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 really sitting on pins and needles for <laughs> December for the Oscar shortlist to be announced, and because uh, I've seen so many films this year, I have mm. my personal favorites. I'm going to be a little biased here because yours is one of them. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and and you know and and if you get short if you get shortlisted, I'm going to be uh, jumping up and down and cheering. Uh, that you made it to the short list. And then when it comes January, when the nominations are announced, because it goes from 15 down to five. So mm. one never knows, but uh, you know, like I said, I'm going to be a little biased and I'm going to be pulling for you uh, every step of the way. Thank you, sir. You've always been uh, really kind and a champion of yellow. So it's been, it's a pleasure. Oh, you're Thank absolutely welcome. Well, because you're now Oscar qualified, has this opened up any new doors for you? Um, at the moment, I'm still, uh, so I finished my final short film. I have it in the can now that I'll be going into the edit. Uh, but I think it, it's, I'm getting a few meetings um, and it has kind of opened the door just, just a peek right now. <laughs> I've been knocking for a while, but we'll see if, it, if they open a bit, a bit wider. <laughs> You're going to be working on any uh, future feature films? Yeah, I'm currently in development for a few 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 projects, but the feature films are such a long and arduous journey, so you never know where it goes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you this right now: you better keep a very watchful eye on Elham Esses because he is an excellent writer and director, even actor. He acts as a shopkeeper in his own short film Yellow, but uh, he has an eye for every human element uh, and, and he tells the story quietly, softly, profoundly, and even with the lens of the camera, we know that the lens tells an incredible story and he does it with such incredible beauty. You know, this film, ladies and gentlemen, is a call to action. It's a plea for the world not to forget about Afghanistan and the women who live there. You know, back on August 15th in 2021, Afghanistan fell to the Taliban. And by December 2022, girls were forbidden from going to school and women have been banned from going to university. The, tele the Taliban also decreed that all women must wear the mandated uh, hijab or the chadari in public and be accompanied by a male guardian when going outside. So once again... Afghan women and girls face an uncertain future, and like Elham shared with us in the last 20 years, they've changed the flag 15 times. So the country is still unstable. But in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan, she walks into a Chidari store in Kabul to buy her first full-body veil from the shopkeeper and now faces a brand-new future. Uh, this live-action short film follows her, and ladies and gentlemen, you need to follow her along with this story because Yellow is an absolute beauty of cinematic art. That's all I can say. It is cinematic art. And Elham, again, I want to thank you for coming back and uh, talking more about Yellow. Again, I've got to say it. I'm going to be biased here. It's one of my favorites of the year. Thanks, man. That's really sweet. That's really kind. Thank you. You're very welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, you can, you can watch all the replays of all of our interviews with the top film directors like Elham Esses, producers and screenwriters, even actors, even stunt people and music composers of film 
Watch it on Bond on Cinema. We have a brand new YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe. And you can also catch us on iTunes and Spotify and eight other digital platforms. And uh, so please tune in to Bond on Cinema and because we always bring you the best and we bring you the absolute most beautiful films you'll ever want to watch with very powerful stories. And some of them, of course, are going to be funny and entertaining. And as for me, I want to thank you for watching and listening, and I'll see you at the movies.